This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So, in a result that I would absolutely never call a foregone conclusion due to past experience, but that some others in tennis might call something close to a foregone conclusion, Russia are Davis Cup finalists. And that is because they have thrashed Germany. I've been debating over the last hour or so whether to say 2-0 or 2-1, because really, I think this was a 2-0 tie And then there was an exhibition doubles afterwards. So I'm going to say 2-0, not least because Matt and David are both nodding at me and making me feel validated. Mm. So Rublev (laughs) Rublev won the opening rubber, 6-4-6 love. Now let's talk about Medvedev for (laughs) 29 minutes. Go. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I didn't even... I didn't even watch Rublev and Kuffer. I kind of, <laughs> quite honest, I didn't get back early enough. It was all so quick. Um, but I very much was back in time for Medvedev. And uh, yeah, he played really well. And then at the end, oh, the end. Um, the crowd got... He's appointment viewing at the moment, isn't he, Medvedev? Yeah, he's, he is the show, really. He is the ATP show in just about every way. Because his tennis is brilliant to watch, I think. I mean... I think it's maybe to everybody's taste, but I really enjoy watching his tennis and the way he gets involved with the crowd. If they get on him, and this has been simmering actually. I, I meant to bring this up a couple of days ago because I didn't quite catch what had gone on in his post-match interview. He he started making these these references to the highlight of the week having been having beaten Spain in Spain. And that that kind of felt very much out of context because I I couldn't really sense any any reason why he was saying that. But he he obviously got wound up by the Spanish fans, and he just wanted to keep reminding them that he'd beaten them. And uh, then today, well, they really got into him, and he rose to the challenge in just about every single way. I mean, by the end, they were booing and whistling, and he was sort of 
throwing his hands down as if to say, no, no, calm down, you quiet down. I, I've just beaten your this bloke and I beat you lot as well. And then he started stamping his feet and I was trying to work out what that was supposed to be, be meaning because he was kind of pointing to, to his foot as if to say, there you go, there you go, there you go. That's you, that. And, uh, and then in the interview afterwards, oh, it was just the best. <laughs> I think David's high on Daniil Medvedev and I'm here <laughs> for it. He he said in that interview afterwards, he said, whilst being uh, uh, booed, roundly and loudly booed, he said, beating Spain was a highlight. We were so happy to beat the home favourites. It started in 2019, but I'm not going to be tired to say it. People still don't understand how to make me lose. They should support me. So it's okay. Continue. I'm going to just win. (laughs) (laughs) He just ignored the question. I mean, he said the question was about how he felt having reached the final. And he just ignored that. Started talking about how he'd put one over on the Spanish crowd. It, it needed it, didn't it? It needed the show because tennis-wise, occasion-wise, sort of tension-wise, it just it just wasn't there today. We can't we can't really dress it up. It was it was a trouncing for Russia. So thank goodness for the Medvedev show, Matt. Oh, he single-handedly created some atmosphere, something to talk about because, as you said, Rublev was done and dusted in forty-nine minutes over Dominic Kupfer. And really, he did what we've been waiting for him to do all week, which was accelerate in the second set rather than decelerate after winning it. Um, if if only they'd played Peter Goyovchik, <laughs> as we as we were saying all along. I mean, come on. So he was just way more ruthless today, Rublev. And actually, it did feel like this was the moment where Russia really asserted themselves in this competition because we've know, you know, we've known they've had the best team all week, and yet because Rublev has toiled away, they've actually had some quite close matches and that obviously close tie against Spain. But today they were just efficient and ruthless and they and they had it finished within two hours so we absolutely needed some sort of hook to get ourselves into this day and Medvedev provided it I um I asked him in the press conference what that stamping was about and he didn't he didn't really answer that but he did explain the calming down thing he said that that was all to do with um, I don't know whether a tribute to or slightly taking the mickey out of probably taking Please the mickey Taylor out Swift. of no <laughs> oh, okay. Karen Hatchinov's coach. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> Very much not Taylor Swift. <laughs> Similar vibe, mm. okay. Because he's Spanish and he can only say, basically, in Russian, calm down. Uh, and when they've all played <laughs> cards together and the Russians have won, that's what he says, apparently. Calm down, calm down. So Medvedev has taken that onto court and used it as his sort of theme of his celebrations throughout the week. He says, whenever I do a celebration, I like to do something funny. And uh, that that is what he's done. It, it, it does sound like a fantastically entertaining press conference. Um, that's the beauty of Medvedev, isn't it? He never backs off from any of his behaviour. He owns it completely, leans into it, owns it, good, bad, ugly, all the consequences. He's he's prepared to be the bad guy with consequences. Um, And uh, look, there's a number of clips we we, we could play you, but we're going to play you this one following um, a question that was put to him by uh, the Italian journalist Dubaldo Scanagata, who asked Medvedev if he was 
doing his antics on purpose, if he was doing it self-consciously and playing a game with spectators. And this is what Medvedev had to say. You're right in a way. It's a game which I don't play on purpose because um, everything I do, especially on the court, even more than in life, is uh, pure emotions. Um, in life, I'm more calm. So when you ask a question, you guys, I, can, I have time to think. Okay, uh, what do I think? What should I answer? I don't know. It's the same uh, with any other person in real life. On tennis court, it's different. It's a lot of adrenaline going on. I hate to lose. So there is less uh, time and less um, uh, power in myself to, to stop and think. So I go with emotions, which sometimes is good, sometimes is not good. I think definitely if somebody says that we need real characters, when I say real, I don't want to say uh, strong or weak, good or bad, it's just real. Um, everything I do on the court is what I, what I feel at this moment, so it's real. So uh, these people should like it then. <laughs> but uh, I definitely will be 100% honest, definitely don't provoke the public uh, on purpose. But yeah, when you play a tennis match, you're alone there. And there is 20,000 people, sometimes for you, sometimes against you, sometimes 50-50. And if I do something to provoke them, it's actually not to make them mad or, or sad or against me. It's something that I feel in this moment. We, we see it in every sport. Um, and yeah, I don't see anything too bad in it. But of course, even from some of your... Um, uh, what you remember. So, for example, what happened in Wimbledon, that was not nice and I regret it. But again, it was pure emotions. It was uh, it was not something fake or something where I think about something. It was pure emotions, which I regret and it was not, not, not beautiful, not good. But that's also how you learn. You make mistakes and you learn. And uh, I think the tough part for the young generation, because we had Roger and Rafa who are I I go with my words there, probably the, I want to say, one of the most fairest uh, sportsmen in all the history of the sport. And they were both playing together and they both won an amazing titles. And so now when somebody in tennis is not like this, people tend to not like them and, and say, uh, how come you're not like Roger and Rafa? Well, guess what? Everybody is different. Uh, and so I think the... The moment when they retire and there are going to be new fans who didn't see Roger and Rafa live, that's when it's going to come back to where people are going to like other characters than this. Pretty long answer, no? <laughs> it was a long answer, but uh, Daniil, we loved it. Yeah, it beca because not only was it f sort of funny, but it was proper introspection and self-reflection and self-awareness understanding that I, I'm really pleased that he referenced the Wimbledon moment as something that he regrets because whilst we we love all this hammed up fun and games and and bravado and in the face of the crowd I do love all of that I did not enjoy seeing him throw money in the direction of the mm. umpire and and suggest that he was on the take, you know, and, and things like that. There's some things that Daniel Medvedev has done that have been appalling in in the past, and and he needed to be called out on them, and he needs to own those as well. And he did. He absolutely did in that answer, and he understands that, you know, sometimes he's got it wrong. But I do like the idea that 
this all comes from within based on what is happening in the moment. And because if you remember when we we had the whole US Open thing, when we came out of that, I thought maybe we'll never see that again. Maybe he'll, maybe the the fact that all of the all of us are bringing attention to him will make him stop doing it and make maybe he'll realize that it's a quieter life corporate wise to just follow the lead of people like Federer, Nadal, have a quiet life, et cetera, and just take the cash. Um, not, not to say that they've done that, but that's their brand. This is him. This is who he is. And he just does it from the heart. It's he, he, he says, and from the moment, and I much prefer that. I much prefer somebody who just, for, for better or worse, goes with it. Absolutely. I mean, look, Federer and Nadal have have been a, jo- a joy. Their sportsmanship is unparalleled. The nature of their rivalry is unique. And that's who and they are, isn't it? And and makes you feel warm and fuzzy. And it's it's wonderful and will go down as one of the most special things this sport has ever had. But I can't think of anything worse than spending the next 10 years watching two-bit Nadal Federer impersonators or wannabes. That is, they are unique. That was special. I don't want everybody to be trying to be like Federer and Nadal at all. And Medvedev gets that. And look, he's able to do this because it is him. It's in him. But I also don't want to watch people trying to be Daniil Medvedev. His message is just be yourself, really, mm. and own it, I think. And and that's the that's the thing to take from this. I don't want to see a load of people go out there sort of, creating a cringe fest situation where they're trying to do you've got to have a certain charm to pull off what Daniil Medvedev does not everybody's going to be able to do that but whatever your thing is do that thing don't try to be Roger Federer because there's only one of them Mm. and actually I remember when Federer was coming on the scene it was around the time where there were people like Leighton Hewitt at the top and um Kafelnikov had gone by the wayside pretty much by then, but there were a lot of other players around. And and the conversation was always, where are the characters in tennis? There are no more characters anymore. And I don't know, what is what is a character? I don't, it's just such a generic term. And I think people always referred back to, well, it was Borg and McEnroe. And I'm thinking, well, for a start, Borg never said a word. You know, is it somebody who has a row with someone or is it somebody who looks just really cool like Bjorn Borg did and everybody flocked around him and he won everything in the world? I, I just, I find it a very lazy conversation generally. And I just like the fact that, as you say there, Medvedev is raw. He is what he is. and But at the same time, he's happy to sort of refine himself a little bit when he thinks he's got it really wrong. Um, and, and that's not to say he won't get it wrong again, but I don't mind him losing his mind on a clay court in Rome and sort of saying he's going to tank any second because of whatever. But the, I just get, I guess there is a line. I don't even know how to define the line, but I know when it's crossed and once or twice he's crossed it. I think that's a really critical part of his charm and his appeal, actually, because it feels like we're in a culture where increasingly it's it's a... It's not the done thing to admit fault or to admit you've done something wrong or to admit past failings and personal growth. You sort of, that's not, it's just not the done thing. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a very critical part of of the appeal. And Matt, he, he desperately wants to win this Davis Cup, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And, and I asked him about that as well. I said, you know, obviously this is a team competition, but, 
is there also a sort of personal element here where it's something all top players want on their tennis CV to have the Davis Cup? You know, all of the top players of this generation have done it at least once. Federer, Murray, Nadal, Djokovic, they've all had a time in their career where they've committed to the Davis Cup and they've won it. And he didn't put it exactly in those terms, but he did say that he was having a conversation in Cincinnati a few years ago and it sort of dawned on him and that they had a really, really strong generation here with him and Rublev and Hachinov. And wouldn't it be cool to create a bit of a dynasty in these team competitions? And they've obviously won the ATP Cup at the start of the year. They're now trying to win the Davis Cup here and you know, he he takes a lot from that. He really, really wants to do it. And being the one to lead them out, having not dropped a set in this entire event, the fact he's here in the first place right at the end of the season after a really long, difficult season in many ways, but also, you know, the sort of breakthrough season for him winning his first slam, the fact it's still on his priority list, I just think says absolutely everything about how much this means to him. Just speaking of Hatchinov very quickly, this is this is the only mention we're going to have of the of the exhibition Dead Rubber Doubles. But I felt I felt really sorry for him being put in for the doubles. It was sort of I don't know, it just really drew attention to the fact that he's just sat on the bench all week. Um <laughs> <laughs> being, you know, being a spare part. And it felt like, oh, I don't know. It felt like, it felt like when you're little and your dad lets you do the gears in the car and you think you're driving the car and actually <laughs> you're not doing anything or it's an automatic car and you don't realise. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking, like, crikey, your dad's just... cool. I wish my dad would let me do that. <laughs> like, Paul Karen Hashinov. I don't know. It just really underlined the the pointlessness of him. Where's this um, week? Really? Where's Don's guy then? He's he's still in the back seat. Where's he in the car? Is he even in the but, car? But the difference is Don's guy is just happy to be there. Matt delighted. Quite happy to be in the car De- seat at the back. I mean, De- delighted to be hood under the bonnet fixing the engine. Frankly, <laughs> Hashinov though. No, but I think that's the problem. Yeah. I think Hachinov's will... just pretty happy to be there. Do you? Yeah, I do. I don't get the sense that he's desperate to break into this team. That's just not really? the vibe Gosh. I get from Hachinov. Like, it's all a bit too chilled. Isn't It is in his whole career, though, isn't it? I mean, that's... that. Oh, d- absolutely. That's what I mean. Yeah, it goes, doesn't it? Wise. I mean, uh, Rublev's the other way where he's so on the edge that he you feel like he could just combust at any point. And then Medvedev is, I mean, look, I know Medvedev is just a better player than these guys, but part of being a better player is that he's got just the perfect approach. Now, he's, he's, it's taken a while to reach it. It's not like he had it from day one. He used to go too far. I think he used to beat himself. He occasionally still does. But pretty much now he has got that perfect balance between walking out, thinking he owns the place, and yet not being a complete so-and-so, you know, but he's in control he isn't he's not rublev is not in control a lot of the time he's just trying to hit tennis balls ferociously and viciously for as long and as as necessary medvedev isn't medvedev likes the occasion he likes the match he likes the competition he wants to win he's not that bothered how you know it's mm, there's yeah yeah Okay, well, I'll stop feeling sorry for Karen Hashinov then. I hope I haven't created a problem for you, David. If your son listens to this, I feel like he's going to demand to do the gears next time you're in the car together. 
Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting him listen. Just, just pretend. I'm going to keep him away just from pretend. you, Catherine. Just do do a Hashanov. Just you know, let him have a little go and think he's think he's being important. You can shadow steer or something next yes, to me. How about that? Yes, exactly. So, like in uh, the office on the booze cruise, when the captain lets Dwight steer the ship, and it's one of the one of those dummy steering wheels. Um, so we have a Russia-Croatia final, or you could call it a Catherine David final, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, we're going to have, barring some extraordinary turn of events between between now and, and tomorrow, we're going to have Medvedev against Chilich, and we're going to have Riblev against Goyo. Medvedev has a 2-0 head-to-head over Chilich. Um People might remember that Chilich actually had a two-sets-love lead over Medvedev at Wimbledon this year, but then Medvedev clicked into gear and won the next three quite comfortably. Do you know why I have very little recollection of that match? And this Did is... that match happen while something else was happening? It happened when Billie Jean King and Alana came for curry. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even rehearse that, but I'm so glad I asked that question. So if you're wondering why that match didn't get covered that night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I just... when I saw that in the notes, I was like, okay, yeah. All I remember is it... I believe that happened. All I remember is it being on in your flat and Billie Jean King saying, Medvedev's still going to win. Right. Good calls all round. Um, Rublev is a player that has an actual head-to-head 
against Borna Goyo. Yeah, he doesn't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Well, he was asked, what do you know about Goyo? And he said, yeah, I I know I played him in Madrid at the 2019 finals, but I don't remember anything about the match. (laughs) Right, okay. Same, Ruben, same. Willie, Willie won the match. All of his matches are the same, three. really, aren't they? <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh. You know, yeah. thrashes at a tennis ball, and if it goes well, he wins. If if not, he he completely blows up. Uh, Willie won that match three and three, but this is a different Borna Goyo, isn't it? This is David's Borna Goyo. Yeah. Well, he knows. He knows what's at stake here in this uh, in this competition. I mean, between you and me, um, what chance do we give this? of going to the doubles there. Because that's what we want, isn't it? We want this going to the doubles. And if it goes to the doubles, could be anyone's. Mm. But what chance do we give it of going to the doubles? Less than 50-50, I would say. Yeah, I, th- I think way less. I think 70-30, mm. 80-20, you know, I mean. Who's who's more likely to win their singles? Discuss. Goya, I think, over Rublev is more likely than... Chilich ever Medvedev. I would, pro- I, I would s- probably say the same. I mean, I, I I am slightly alerted by the fact that Chilich did win those first two sets at Wimbledon. And if he were to do that again, it'd be over. But Medvedev's playing better than he was then. And he's better on this surface than he was on grass. Yeah, I mean, Struff had quite a good record against Medvedev on grass this summer. He beat him in Halle. He pushed him at Wimbledon. Mm. Didn't get close to him today on, on the indoor hardcore. And, and I say that, you know, and that's an assessment based on sort of how all of those four singles players are playing this week. You know, I don't think Chilich is playing that badly. I think he's had some okay performances. He's not got over the line in them. Um, but Medvedev's playing so well. And then Goyo is obviously playing really, really well. And Rublev has been fragile. I mean, he won today much, much more convincingly, as as I said. But those weaknesses are there. Those vulnerabilities are there. And if Goyo can push him, I think that's the best chance Croatia has in this in this tie of extending it to the doubles. And if we get to the doubles, I make Croatia favourite. Just while, while we're on Croatia, if I can take a bit of a tangent quickly to get your thoughts on on yesterday's action, Matt, that you weren't able to be with us for on, on the podcast like, cause you, last night because you were working so hard slash eating churros we'll we'll never know the, the real story um, i thought you were going to go with a with a mountain of work the size of aslan karatsev's calves when you were coming up oh. with the comparison i wish you had <laughs> you got me out of a terrible terrible moment in my history on this podcast <laughs> which i can't believe i was kept in after i flagged it anyway come on it was a WhatsApp conversation, which I had to warn Matt. <laughs> David, David had done an out-of-character penis joke on the podcast, <laughs> which he may or may not want to edit out. And it turns out he did not want to. <laughs> David's thinking this bit's getting edited out. No, no. If, if no, that bit's okay, not getting no. edited out, this bit isn't either. This is the bit where I at least make it clear that I'm not happy with myself. You're doing a, me- you're doing a Medvedev, aren't you? You're yes. Owning, you're owning your past. Yes, I am. We've all learned from Medvedev today. 900 podcasts um, plus. I finally let myself down. Matt, what are your... What, I mean, I've, I've 
I'll take an issue with that comment at a later date. <laughs> Matt, what are your lukewarm takes from uh, Serbia against Croatia yesterday? I mean, firstly, I thought it was really interesting just as a tie, having the number one singles player against the number one doubles team. I just loved that dynamic. And it was actually the first time that had happened in, in Davis Cup since 2013, when, again, Djokovic was the number one singles player involved taking on the Bryan brothers at the time and and Serbia actually won that tie. Obviously this time that it was the doubles team that came out on top. Um, I just thought it was, you know, as always when a top player, an all-time great like Djokovic is involved, it was just interesting. And there was this real heaviness in the room afterwards. David spoke about how they actually seemed pretty okay on the court with it. And Djokovic, you know, really congratulated the Croatian team very nicely but then in the press conference, he was not really looking anyone in the eye to begin with. There was a there was a tension there. And I think people were sort of treading carefully with their questions, I suppose. And I just think it was another classic example of, of Djokovic being this great contradiction. Because at the same time, I felt this real admiration for him at the end of this season. And, you know, a historic season, having won th- the first three slams of the year, the the closest we've had to a calendar slam since 88. And yet, you know, losses are just as much a part of your legend as your wins. I always think that. And the way he handled defeat in New York was sort of inspiring. The way he handled it here was excellent. And just the fact he was here trying to pull his team over the line at this end of the season, I just had a lot of respect for that. And there's no doubt that the competition was was better because Novak Djokovic was in it. And I think he was he was frustrated by his team, really. And as, as David said, calling on them to, you know, become some double specialist, perhaps, so that he doesn't have to do literally everything because he's he's trying his best to, to help Serbia win the Davis Cup. And then the sort of press conference ended on this note of him being asked about when we'll see him again, because obviously that's the next story. We don't know, you know, will he go to Australia? Will we not? And it, it just... Honestly, it made me laugh how stupid that situation is. You know, the world number one might not play the Australian Open because he won't, he he may or may not take a vaccine, which is helping to end a pandemic. And I just thought about that. And I just thought how absurd this situation is and sort of how exhausting it is by how willfully coy Djokovic has been on the subject and just how sort of tiring it all is. And maybe he will take the vaccine. Maybe he will be in, be in Australia. We'll find out pretty soon. But the fact that he sort of dragged the whole thing out and made it become this this sort of whole event that it doesn't need to be, I just thought was sort of, you know, there was just just, just this big contradiction, I felt, at the end of this this tie where Djokovic had played such a such an important part in making it what it was. Yeah, when you lay out the bare facts like that, it does sound utterly ludicrous, doesn't it? I mean, play play that clip to us of two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we'd, we'd be a bit surprised. So one last match in this year's Davis Cup finals, Russia against Croatia for the title. We will, of course, be back with another podcast covering that tomorrow evening, Sunday. Uh, we're coming to you early evening on Saturday right now. A couple of other bits of uh, tennis news to bring you before we go. We've had the news that Iga Sriantec and her coach of five years, this is a partnership that I was hoping would never split up uh, because of 
just the inevitability of me not being able to pronounce this name. So it's Piotr. F- feel good about that. Oh, genuinely, does someone want to help me? First, isn't it Piotr? But I think you say Piotr. Okay. I think you say it Piotr, yeah. And then it's Sears Potovsky. That sounds like how I've heard it said, David. So, yes. Played, yes, David. that they have split after after five years together. And Matt, very helpfully, has posted something for us in Polish about it in the agenda. That was David. David gets all the oh. credit for the agenda today, even if it is in Polish. Actually, there is an English translation there, which I can uh, relate to you if you'd like. Uh, Ooh, and it goes like favorite. this. Uh, Igor Svantec saying, I've started my pre-season, but today I would like to tell you something significant. After more than five years, I've decided to finish my cooperation with my coach, Piotr Sierzpatowski. This change is really challenging for me, and this decision wasn't easy either. As tennis players, we meet on our path a lot of people who contribute great value into our work and often into our life too because we spend almost the whole year on tour together. I find out that sometimes in our professional life, we need changes to develop more, evolve and meet other people with whom we're going to create a cooperation for the next stages. I'd like to thank him. Uh, We gave each other so much. Um, I owe him a lot and appreciate the time we spent together. I suppose you may have questions about what's next. I have everything I need to be able to work and I would like to focus on my preseason without any outside pressure. I hope you'll understand. Which is a bit cryptic at the end there, mm. isn't it? In terms of what does everything I need mean that she's already got a new coach or does it mean she feels she doesn't need a new coach for now? Mm. Um, I'm sure more details will be... Uh, forthcoming over the course of the lengthy tennis off season, <laughs> which is coming up. Um, one last bit of sad news to bring you uh, before we close up with this podcast, which is that Darlene Hard has passed away. As was reported in the LA Times, she was an aggressive serve volley player who won three major singles titles and 18 major doubles titles in a Hall of Fame career. She was 85 years old. She appeared in seven major championship singles finals, winning titles at the 1960 French Championships and the 1960 and 61 US Championships. Of course, this was before the Open Era. Um, The tournaments that preceded the French and US Opens. So, yeah. For the open era, she was a she was a Wimbledon finalist in 1957. She lost there to Althea Gibson, and also in 1959. And she also reached the quarterfinals of the Australian Championships in 1962. Um, as you'd expect, Billie Jean King has paid beautiful tribute to her. Um, and if you want to see some amazing pictures of Darlene Hard, check uh, check out Billie Jean King's Twitter. But she said today. Darlene Hard had a major influence on my life as an athlete, teammate and friend. She was the best doubles player of her generation. We were teammates and won the first Federation Cup in 1963. This was something we would both remember always. I will miss her. And that, of course, was played at the Queen's Club, that first uh, that first ever Federation Cup. Um, and she's she's linked to the uh, to the obituary in the in the LA Times, and uh, she's then posted a picture, um, a wonderful picture, and said, "So much joy when Carol Caldwell, Darlene Hard, and I won the inaugural Federation Cup for the US on June twentieth, nineteen sixty three, and it is a joyful photo." So, 
Yeah, as Billie Jean King says, um, she'll be missed. And that's uh, that's very sad news. But what a career uh, and what a woman. So that is it for our penultimate Davis Cup final podcast for today. We'll all be back tomorrow for one last Davis Cup finals final podcast. <laughs> um, and it will be Catherine against David for the points, predictions-wise. It'll be Zeus against Rogue. Scouser Mousel, unfortunately, hasn't been in the game for a while. Apologies from Matt for that. <laughs> Mocha will be our mascot one last time. Lovely Mocha, the chocolate lab. Uh, Billy Jean has slept through this, but I'm sure it's been sort of going in by osmosis. Um, yeah, she's been absorbing every word. She's sponsored by Billie Jean King, as always. Uh, Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer and general top bloke. And Matt, we have two shout outs tonight. Well, actually, we only have one because there are only oh. there are only two left for the entire year. So we'll do one today and one tomorrow. Oh, you can get and you can get some soon as well, can't you? Yes. See what he did. See what he did there, Matt. <laughs> From Wednesday, you can get a shout out. I was going to come on to that, David. (laughs) I finessed my pit. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. Carry on with this, Matt. I I want to get on to that. I've I've (laughs) overpromised. Okay, we have today Shyla Kulkarni. Oh, hello. What a brilliant name. Right, Shyla. That is, Shyla must be a celebrity of some description. And a K, as as Simon Briggs always says, is the most overperforming letter in tennis for the surname Kulkarni. Yes. That could yeah. be a tennis Mikhail player. Mikhail Kukushkin will tell that to anyone that'll listen. Do we know where yeah. Shyla's from? We, I bet we don't, do we? We don't. <laughs> no, but from next year, yeah. we will request the geographical location of all of our shout-outies. Correct. So we can add that to the list of things we get confused about <laughs> at the end of the show. And I can't wait. That is all part of our new Friends of the Tennis podcast offering, which launches on Wednesday and is going to be brilliant. Is that all right, David? Brilliant, Catherine. I'm yeah. massively impressed. More details, more details to come uh, on tomorrow's show, in forthcoming shows, on all of our platforms. We will have all of the details about Friends of the Tennis podcast. Don't worry, all of our standard shows our weekly shows our daily grand slam shows are still going to be free for any listeners that can't afford or just don't want to support us <laughs> um but for those that do and can there is going to be a very special friends of the tennis podcast i'm falling at the final hurdle here david situation collection uh, regular stream of content mm, for uh, well, anyway, it's going to be great and we're launching on Wednesday and more details to come. Uh, but first and foremost, listen to the show tomorrow. We'll do the Davis Cup one last time. We'll speak to you then. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 